This is Amanda Sage, and you're listening to Entheo Nation with Lorna Liana. Welcome to Entheo Nation, where we feature visionaries who are pioneering the cutting edge of awakening. Psychedelic science, modern shamanism, neuroscience, new paradigm lifestyles. Get ready to harness the power of visionary states and forge reality into your wildest dreams. This is Lorna Liana, host of Entheo Nation, where we explore the world of visionary culture that emerges when psychedelics and shamanism meet. I just want to share with you how completely in love I am with my new home, Ibiza, Spain, and how synchronicities have been lining up in hilarious ways, which I see as the divine thumbs up from the universe that I am on the right path. So I just discovered that there's this psilocybin microdosing study that's happening at my epic co-working space involving about 40 people on the island. Of course, that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, knowing that I landed into a pod of microdosing entrepreneurs. And of course, I want to hop in. But I'm not really sure how scientific it would be for me to join late or whether this is even possible, but I'll keep you updated as I discover more. Apparently, I'm also in the perfect place to run Entheonation, according to the other entrepreneurs in the co-working. I'm only discovering how vibrant and established the world of visionary shamanism is on the island, so I'm really happy that I paid attention to the sacred mushroom message I received a couple years ago to go where my work would be most supported, because to be in a place where the community has the capacity to see, know, and understand who you are is priceless. And to be in a place that can support you in growing in new ways, especially ways that you wish to grow, is precious. I know that I will have the opportunity on this beautiful white island to engage in more creativity, to learn how to sing and play medicine music, and to practice visionary art. Now, the phenomena of visionary art is something that I've been intrigued by for a very long time. How does one paint or illustrate the incredible visions that one receives through medicine work? How does one visually communicate the ineffable? Now, I've explored this topic before with some of the other visionary artists in the Conscious Music Festival community. I had Alex and Allison Gray of Entheon come on to the podcast, and they shared with us, first of all, what happens when two visionary soulmates trip together and the kind of creative work that can emerge from that union. You can hear about that story from entheonation.com slash 13, from episode 13, which is Entheon, what happens when visionary soulmates trip together? They also shared with me the kinds of landscapes, beings, and symbols that they see when they are on MDMA versus DMT versus ayahuasca and other medicines. So I always found it really fascinating when looking at some of their art and feeling like I knew what drugs they were on. 
You can check out that episode at entheonation.com slash 14. Android Jones, who is probably one of the best-known visionary artists of our time, shared with us his quintessential death trip and discussed interdimensional beings, archetypal love, and art in entheonation.com slash 19. Which brings us to our amazing guest today, the visionary artist Amanda Sage, who will share with us the evolution of visionary art in history and the art of making the unseen world seen. Now, this interview was recorded at Envision Festival in Costa Rica, so I do apologize for the background noise at the cafe we were in. We were staying in a container hotel, and there really wasn't a suitable place for this interview because the container rooms were really cramped, and we couldn't find a quiet corner on premise. So we found this beautiful, you know, adorable little cafe with a, you know, green, you know, tropical nook where we sat down at a table and had a conversation but there was a lot of background noise around, so I really apologize for that in the audio. But before we hop into the interview, I do want to remind you that in the very end of this episode, we're going to share with you the Medicine Music for the Soul selection that I have made. And I want to share with you a music track from my dear friend Eustar Kamala, who is an incredible channel for the divine. So stick around for the very end to hear her beautiful song. Now, Eustar is going through an incredible challenge right now. She's been diagnosed with mouth cancer. And Eustar is a musician and she's a singer. She spent so much of her life giving and now she's seeking the support of her tribe and surrendering to receiving from the universe. So I want to ask you that if you know her music or if you appreciate what it takes to receive this music and to hold ceremonial space, then I ask that you consider shining the light of your healing prayers on her in this moment sharing her You Caring campaign page, or sending some financial support her way. You can find the link to her You Caring page at entheonation.com slash 32. Are you ready to join the evolution? Sign up for our newsletter and receive our free guide to navigating visionary states, along with eight email lessons on how you can harness the power of your sacred visions. As a VIP member of Entheonation, you'll receive invitations to join life-transforming retreats and mind-expanding programs. Just go to entheonation.com iTunes to join the tribe and receive your free gifts today. Hello, visionary people of Entheonation. This is Lorna Liana, and greetings from Costa Rica, where I'm here today with Amanda Sage, a visionary artist who will share with us her story about how she accesses the inner realms of vision and communicates that in stunningly beautiful art. So thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda. I would love to hear more about your story of how you actually became a visionary artist and where your visions come from. Well, I think I've always been a visionary artist, and I think most of us are. We just don't realize it. The definition of visionary is something that I think is innate gift that each of us have. We just have forgotten in many ways how to tap into that. 
and to find a vehicle to communicate through. Art is very integrated in some cultures as a way of life. Art and music, say in Cuba, Bali, and a lot of tribal cultures, Mm -hmm. art is a very you know, normal thing. It's not something that is an extracurricular. It's something that you do in life. And I, this is kind of my approach to my work and my teaching as I teach art, Mm -hmm. is that creativity is something that we use in our lives at all time. And how we use it and what we use it for is actually what I'd like to talk about or what I'd like to talk about. It's like, what, what is it doing? It's not just a commodity. Mm-hmm. It's not something that is just to beautify our environment, which is definitely a value. But how does it move us? What does it communicate? How does it communicate through the visual vortex? Uh, <laughs> cortex, you know, that is our... The vortex and the cortex. <laughs> How the works, vortex communicates works. with the cortex. That works, but yeah, there's a language that transcends our languages, you know, that we use to speak that actually creates a lot of separation. And I find that the visual language creates more unification. It transcends the language. It transcends the barriers of culture it depends. I mean, some religions are very specific, like you don't want to, in some of the Middle Eastern realms, the drawing of the human figure isn't celebrated. Right? Mm-hmm. And this is where I find that visionary art, or what is known now in this growth, this movement of visionary art, is something that is trying to transcend those those boundaries of using various symbols and cross-cultural reference to kind of connect the world and to open the world and remind us in a contemporary way that we are a world family. And I find that that's one of the main aspects of what this visionary art and culture is doing, is reawakening in us this just knowing, you know, that we are one, that we are all connected and that we have a responsibility now for the future, you know, in a kind of reverence for what has passed. We can create that in a piece of work, in a, in a story that is a feeling. I find that like what visionary art to me really means is it's medicine. It's something that is very much a prayer for the future. Mm-hmm. It's like I see something and I want I'm creating something that I want to see in the future. But sometimes, I mean, everybody has a different access. If you ask, talk with vision, uh, different people that would maybe be considered visionary artists, everyone has a different access point. And, to the realm um, of visions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what does that mean? Where do your visions uh-huh. come from? Well, this is really interesting because you did mention just a little bit earlier that it's something that we all have access to. I would love to understand really what that means. So when I look at your art and I see just these, you know, landscapes or these visionscapes that you create, and are you mostly work in the genre of painting or do you do some like digital? No, I am mostly a painter. I am starting to branch more into the digital in some ways through my clothing design and fashion company. But really, 
primarily I'm a painter. Mm-hmm. And uh, how one accesses, like that anyone can access this vision mm-hmm. realm. I mean, what do we do every night when we go to sleep? We dream. Mm-hmm. Some people don't remember their dreams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And some I think people, it's hard for a lot of people. And some, some people are not visual too. Mm-hmm. Some okay. people are very acoustic. Some mm-hmm. people don't see mm-hmm. things when they're even in a guided meditation or, you know, they don't have a visual a story, but mm-hmm. that some of those people are some of the greatest artists. Mm. because they're seeking that vision Uh and they find a tool through creating, through using the vehicle of a brush or a pencil Mm -hmm. or Wacom tablet Mm -hmm. where they can access this kind of vision realm. It's about becoming a channel. I mean, this is where I think the interpretation of what visionary art is. I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's very much a channeling that people are doing that are kind of, uh, tapping into a collective consciousness Mm -hmm. and it's a part of a desire mixed in with a collective desire to create our understanding and harmony in the world. Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of visionary art is more uplifting and positive rather Mm -hmm. than like heavy and negative, Mm -hmm. but it's a part of a much greater circle, a much greater genre, I would say in the art world that has to, that, that stems from, say the surrealist movement, you know, and that mm -hmm. comes from the greats of the past that have merged poetry and myth, spirituality, Mm -hmm. religion, all of these things together to create a conversation. And sometimes art can be very provoking. Mm -hmm. And and that's one of the vehicles that a lot of change, even politically, can be initiated. so would you say that the visionary art movement is actually something that has dated back for decades, if not centuries? Millennia. Millennia. Okay. I would say. Yeah. So when I think of visionary art, I think of, you know, artists like you and Mariela de la Paz and Alex Gray and Android Jones. But if it dates back to millennia, then, you know, what would be some of the older genres of that would fall into the, the your definition of visionary art. So we have surrealists, we have you know Salvador Dali, we have uh, Magritte, for example. I love his his art. But even going further, like what would you say would be some of the defining characteristics that would lead you to include some of the older genres of art? Well Hieronymus Bosch, mm-hmm. who was one of the early Renaissance painters from the German kind of like area and he was the one that painted was the first to paint these hyper realistic paintings of heaven and hell Mm -hmm. right and the garden of earthly delights is Mm -hmm. one of one of his most fantastic works and they're preserved immaculately Mm -hmm. but he painted things and creatures and angels and people you know half morphed into they were just outlandish things. And I think he was one of the first ones that painted these things. And I'm sh- I would imagine he was probably celebrated as some sort of a sorcerer, almost, you know, because he was creating something that there were maybe stories about, but that nobody had seen in that way. Right. So he was, he was able to pull that, that vision or that something from the unseen realm into this seen realm. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then going even further back, say Alex Grave has in his presentations, he dates it all the way back to the cave paintings. Mm-hmm. And there are some works that are depicting almost like a shape-shifting kind of mythological character with horns and, you know, wings and various things. Like, could a creature like that have existed? Or was this something that was derived from a visionary state, which may have been, you know, provoked through the ingestion of various fungi or plants, you know, which tribal cultures have used to evoke visions and also journey into realms where they would find answers and ask questions to help their tribe, you know, Mm -hmm. and to to seek wisdom. Mm -hmm. And um, so... I think all of that is very interconnected. It's very related in some way. And it's not something that is devoid of the other. There's definitely, there are various access points of going into the visionary state. Some people just see it. I have, mm-hmm. I have some friends that have that sight. And as a child, I also was very close to the ethereal world. I didn't really go to school until I was nine years old. I was homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And I was kept very protected in a, in a way. I didn't have much media influence, television, etc. And I, I associated people with colors. I saw colors around people. And most people had their own um, predominant color. But it would change, too, depending on, on how exhausted they were or their mood. And it was something that was very regular and normal to me. I thought everybody saw that until somebody asked me what I saw and spoke to me about this. And then I realized that I did that not everybody saw this. It's something, though, that I lost when I did go into school and was, had the pressure of the social environment where my emotional state was became in a way traumatized. And I didn't have that, that freedom to access that. Are you a spiritual seeker intrigued by the insight, healing, and transformation that visionary medicines offer? Do you feel called to work with sacred plant medicines but don't know how to begin, let alone where to find a qualified shaman? Or perhaps you might have had a life-changing experience at an ayahuasca retreat center in Peru and are confused about how to integrate all your cosmic downloads with your day-to-day life back home. And what would really help with that journey is the support of a community of people who work with visionary medicines on a regular basis. If this sounds like you, check out Spiritual Evolution with Sacred Plant Medicines, an online program designed to help you receive the highest transformation. Just go to entheonation.com spiritual to view the course curriculum and receive a special 10% discount just for being a podcast listener. Simply apply the coupon code ENTHEO10, that's E-N-T-H-E-O-10, to redeem your 10% discount today. I think definitely social and cultural expectations and structures have that uh, unfortunate effect of kind of stifling our original youthful yeah. connection to, to source or to you know the unseen world and you know we as adults can really lose that to the point where 
it can be very hard to access the visionary states or even remember your dreams. I can say that for myself, after being in the corporate world for almost seven years, I stopped. I felt like I stopped dreaming. So during three years, I lived in a Tibetan meditation center and I practiced dream yoga. I had completely far out dreams with like flying and like lucid dreaming experiences and doing practices. And then when I left that and went into corporate, it was just kind of like my dream world just completely, you know, vanished. And, you know, I would love, since you are always accessing, you know, these realms as an artist, you know, how would you guide us or advise us or help us understand like how we access these access points you know for those of us who may have forgotten or don't really know how to like how do we know if we're accessing this other world where these beautiful visions can come through and inspire us to lead better lives and and wake it Well, I think you just have to give yourself the time and space. Mm. I think that's the primary issue here. I mean, because it's it's there. I mean, it's like, but at the same time, it's also like uh, learning how to play an instrument. Mm -hmm. You have to practice to be able to let go. You have to to really understand and know something to be able to let it become a part of your being. Mm -hmm. To be able to let this an extra limb be completely free i mean it's like a, a, a dancer or a musician i mean a painter is exactly the same i would say it's just the tools are a little bit different so the training of not fighting with your tool you know of not fighting with like oh that squeaked you know and the playing the flute there you know where it's just fluid where the there's no hesitation there's no fear and i feel that that no fear is attained once you practice so much, you don't even think about it anymore. It's the thinking part that we have to let go of, mm-hmm. right? And there's a certain amount of that thinking, though, that we need to train ourselves to do something many times. I mean, some people are just immediate naturals, mm-hmm. right? And they just let it flow. But a lot of times we have to get past that, you know? We have to get past the analytical aspect. I mean, because so with painting, I have so I have absolutely no fear with painting. That something is going, that whatever I'm going to make is going to turn into something awesome. If I want to, I can do that. And so that's why I have no hesitation getting up on a stage in front of thousands of people with absolutely no idea and a big canvas and just going at it. I have absolutely no fear about that because I know that whatever's going to come through is going to be what it is. You know, I don't have any expectation. And it blows my mind every time. But to get past that expectation, I think, is the biggest block. And because painting and drawing is such a, it's a solid thing. As soon as you make a mark, you put that into the universe. And it is there forever in some way, shape, or form. If there's no photo taken, if there's no record kept and you burn it, okay, maybe that's, that's gone. But when you make a mark, you're creating something. You're creating a new influence in this world, right? A painting of mine, I make a painting, I take a photograph, I put it up on the internet. It is on thousands and thousands of devices all over the world. Hundreds of thousands of devices in seconds. You know? And that that takes on a life of its own. It takes on a meaning to people that inspires them to do this or do this. They dream about it here and through, through this medium of social media. 
I get these messages back from people with profound stories of how these images have influenced them. But I really think that it is about allowing oneself to let go. Because what I end up doing is trusting the process. And there's an infinite amount of ways that I could go with each brushstroke. But I follow, I follow a feeling, and I allow that feeling to turn into something that I recognize. And I also listen. I become hypersensitive when I'm in the state of where I'm about to create something new. I turn into like my skin. Every, everything becomes hypersensitive. And I'm, I'm listening. I become like my antenna. I become very... feel everywhere and I'm listening to, to clues from the environment. You know, there's, there's rhythm. There's uh, recognition of stories and sounds of certain words that are repeated. And then with color, I taste color. I have like a craving. And I follow that craving as like, I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. It's like, this is what it is. You know, out of all the rainbow, you're going to refine it down to what are you going to start with? Start with something. All right, it's going to be this. I don't know why. But that's going to lead to this. And that's going to lead to this. And that's going to lead to this. And the longer I can keep away that kind of analytical aspect of this is that, the more potential I allow for it to be something completely remarkably unique and new. But that's the challenge. Once you become used to a certain way of doing something, it's very hard to break that. But I feel like that's the challenge of the artist or the visionary to stay on the edge of creation, to allow something new to come forth. Because you're really a channel. I mean, to me, I feel like uh, my greatest desire would be to be a, a voice, just a tool to let a collective voice that comes from the heart to come through to remind people that they see themselves within it. And that recognition, once they see something and they're drawn to, to look at this, to meditate at, meditate on this work, that it be something that feeds their soul and helps them to evolve. Hmm. So a lot of people find that in order to connect with the visionary realm, they find that the most effective way to do that would be through the use of entheogenic agents. You know, for example, ayahuasca or psilocybin mushrooms, LSD, even like, you know, other types of medicinal plants as well, marijuana, salvia. Do you ever find that entheogenic agents have actually inspired your art or are they, you know, not at all? Have they not been a catalyst for some of the uh, paintings and the art that you've created? I'd say they've for sure inspired an aspect of my work. I mean, the, what they've done is remind or confirm, I think, more so. Confirm a memory. And when I first ventured into the realm and experienced LSD for the first time, I was 27 years old, and I was very deliberate about it. I really wanted to experience this, this space and what I had, what I experienced was, was actually just a confirmation of what I already knew. It wasn't anything new, really, that I saw. 
it was something that I, it was like traveling back in time in some way. It was so familiar. And it was something that just verified this feeling that I had and that was already, was already painting in a way. This uh, experience of the vibration and the connection of everything. And I think that's the transparency and how, how actually unsolid we are, how malleable, how fragile we are, how absolutely beautiful we are, you know, and everything is, and it's all perception. I think it's an incredible tool. I think these medicines are an incredible tool and should be treated with utmost respect. I feel very sad about how they are treated in a cultural way where they're misused and overused in some ways and then also shunned. Mm-hmm. I think there should be a lot more communication and facilitation of these experiences. Mm-hmm. I really, really believe that. I also think that the respect, I mean, there should be a very high level of respect for these spaces and people should prepare themselves yeah, I agree with you. My experience pretty much every time entering into a visionary state is one where I feel like the space that I'm walking into is absolutely sacred. And so I would say that for me personally, even though my introduction was more in a recreational, like cultural setting, like over the years, especially over the past, you know, decades, since I've been working more ceremonially with the plant medicine ayahuasca, I feel too, you know, quite personally that these spaces and these medicines, you know, if one were to treat them with utmost respect in a prayerful way, it is so much more powerful, you know, to, and, and so much more wisdom really does come through. Yeah. Yeah, and so even like, you know, for me, being in an environment like Burning Man and in an altered state doesn't necessarily feel as sacred to me as the, the space that I'm normally in in the jungle, you know, like with the, with the shaman or in a prayer circle, for example. I mean, I think the intention absolutely is is important. And because, you know, so much information can be accessed through these spaces, it almost does seem to me like if you do prepare yourself, and have like a stable meditation or practice, so to speak, it is possible to really go deeply in these spaces and see just incredible visions and visit like incredible worlds that I think might not be so accessible if one weren't so aware or again, you know, very much like practicing, cultivating a skill or becoming used to working with a tool by being more adept or skilled in navigating these spaces, I think it's so much more possible to see like a wide range of things that one may not have even imagined was possible to see. Yeah, I think that it should really be treated as one would a cleanse. Mm, You know, something like that. I feel that there's also like within the visionary culture community, there's also an excess of use at times I feel like even though it's like oh it's so sacred and it's healing and it's this and I'm I think that's also a scapegoat a little bit uh huh uh huh I think the real work Mm -hmm. it's here the real work is in 
a very clear and focused way, you know, and it is the real work is about bringing together the world. Mm-hmm. It's not about escaping one world into another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like the relentless pursuit of visionary experiences, but then coming back to our waking life and not really doing much with exactly. the information. Exactly. That you, you just, exactly. You know, we're, we're blessed to receive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Have you found that your art has changed in any way whatsoever since you became introduced to entheogens? Well, I feel like it was not just entheogens, it was the entire culture of this community, I guess, that has been growing worldwide. And seeing the other art, talking to people, and feeling actually getting more in touch with what I actually really want want to communicate to the world. What I find is like, as I get closer and closer, it's like the, running after the carrot, though. You're never really going to, you know, you're never going to get there. It's a continuous journey of perfection, right? You know, you're never, there's there's no end game. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I mean, I think that we're constantly going to be evolving into the next phase, next phase. I mean, a painting is never truly finished either. It can mm-hmm. always continue. So just at some point, you let it be and you move on. You're always pushing yourself further. But has my work really been influenced? I feel that it's the community, it's the entire culture, and my my desire to contribute to this grand vision or this grander kind of translation too of connecting the spiritual, the cultural, all these different states of awareness with our contemporary societies, mm-hmm. and using myself and my experience as reference point and as a model to share with people. So what would you say is the message that's trying to come through you, through your art? Is it something that feels fairly defined? Is it like this, uh, the same kind of message that you're accessing? Or does that story change very much depending on where you are in your life? There's the kind of poetry, I guess, in a way that is very it leaves a lot open for interpretation at times because some of my pieces are created out of a space of little, I guess, story from the beginning. The story unfolds. There are a lot of messengers in my paintings, like Mm -hmm. figures that are kind of like almost like a shamanic kind of character. Like a spirit guide. Yep. Like Uh spirit guides. Or also there's a lot of symmetry say in the last six years or so of my work, there's a lot of symmetry created within the oval, within the egg. An egg is not an oval, it's an organic form, which is like a portal into infinite dimensions. I mean, what is that portal of the egg? There are things, there are symbols and things that have come to me and I keep painting them and working with them as I try to figure it out as well. But there is a grander message that has come say out of the egg was born the train and the train is this vehicle and the symbol that is actually also a symbol of the snake of the serpent and the serpent and the egg mm-hmm. have this really deep like ancient alchemical story right that is being woven what they symbolize mm-hmm. i see the potential of where we could be going in the world and what is happening now through the connections of the internet Mm-hmm. and how immediate it is in many ways that we take charge here on this planet and start to change the ways that we are interacting with our environment. Mm-hmm. 
and I feel a deep responsibility to use my art to speak with as many people as possible and help the cause, mm -hmm. so to say, for us to take action within government, within companies, within, I mean, how do we change our, our ways of economics? There's so many things that, that need shifting from the top down in many ways. Hey there, visionary. We really need your help. Entheonation is on a mission to raise public awareness of the therapeutic potential of psychedelics and visionary plant medicines. We do this by creating consciousness-raising content, which we give to the public for free. And this costs money. That's why I'm asking you to play an active part in the psychedelic renaissance by supporting Entheonation on Patreon. Your patronage allows us to create more podcasts, interview more experts, research and write in-depth articles, produce videos, and offer unique educational products for visionaries just like you. All you need to do is go to patreon.com slash entheonation. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash entheonation and browse our mind-expanding rewards and choose your monthly pledge. Take a stand for cognitive liberty and spiritual freedom by becoming an Entheonation patron today. So what would you say the cause is? Of, well, you mentioned like, you know, to, that your art has a way. So a lot of what motivates you through your art is, you know, to, for the cause. Okay. So, for the so, cause. so what is, what is the, the cause? cause? So I think the cause is the shifting of consciousness of how, of what is important, you know, and what are we committed to, mm -hmm. right? So I feel that there's a lot of things that we're committed to just because we think we need to be, right? Because mm -hmm. we were born into that. We're genetically trained. We're socially trained, mm -hmm. right? There's a very small sliver of our actual daily awareness mm -hmm. that is focused on, on the future. Most of us are driven by our genetics and are driven by things that we're carrying from our ancestors and from our past. Mm -hmm. And how can we create environments and spaces that are going to help us move into the future? We can't just stop doing everything that we've been doing. That doesn't make sense either. Mm -hmm. You can just stop using oil. You can't just stop doing mining say for the things that create all this electronic stuff that is connecting us you know how is this all this stuff being mined how is that actually happening these incredible devices that are connecting us and we're we're all these in this visionary culture everybody has a device right if they if they have the funds for it mm -hmm. where is that actually coming from you know yeah, who's making it who's making you it know? And, and, what are the conditions like for those workers who created your iphone for yeah. example and what what does yeah. the earth look like from what the, what is the depletion and uh -huh. what are the people that are that are actually mining these things? Mm -hmm. How are they being affected? And these are the things that we need to talk about because it's. I mean, I I think about this kind of stuff before I go to sleep at night a lot. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. and I, the responsibility of that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. everything that I touch. You know, and when I paint, I think about these things. It's a part of it's an act of meditation, of not being pushed down by them. And crushed by this one, what can I do? But I think about it, what can I do? What can we do? How can we become more aware of all of these things and not just sweep it under the carpet? Mm -hmm. You know, 
it's yeah. a holistic it's a holistic kind of way of thinking rather than okay i need to meet this bottom line of profit because this is the way the system is this is the only way because i need to do this it's a, it's like a domino effect of what we have to provide in our world you know to and be a part of it's very contradictory in a lot of ways to a lot of the new thought that's coming out a lot of the things that we do daily and that we use daily is still being produced and created and coming from actually i think a industry that we criticize on the other side right yeah so i want to get it's, real yeah it's all real. it's all so deeply interconnected too and yeah. i think for a lot of people you know the the grand scale of the problems that really plague us you know as a human uh, presence on this planet as a you know human civilization it can seem so too complex big and overwhelming and one of the biggest challenges i think especially for people in the visionary you know in visionary culture for example is the dichotomy between that visionary experience of oh my gosh you know all of a sudden becoming open and receiving just information on how we can like be more evolved and be wiser beings and more compassionate and then coming out of a visionary experience and just looking at the world around you and not knowing where to begin yeah exactly you know it can, exactly. and then that can create a lot of inaction so yeah. i'm i'm curious yeah. to know amanda like how would you as a visionary artist advise people to like deal with that because you know i've been many times in scenarios where i go into a visionary space and i feel all inspired to make changes in my life and to do things a different way and then you know the next day as i'm going about my daily life and my own patterns are kind of like you know resetting back in it almost seems like the inspiration that i received the, the day before it just seems, you know, like a dream. Like, I, I don't know how to go about, you know, yeah. making it a reality. So since you access these spaces so much more often than I think most people do in your capacity as an artist, how would you say, you know, we make the first step? Well, I access these spaces by picking up my brush and painting. You know, that's an active contradiction to the resistance, right? And that, I think, is the key is stepping beyond the resistance of what's holding you back from change. Because every time I pick up a brush, I give myself to the inevitability of change, of creating something new, you know, if I allow it to. But it has to do with your of not being lazy, right? <laughs> don't be lazy. Discipline, I love it. Love discipline, it. you know? Mm -hmm. And discipline is something that everybody's going to fidget about Run around little circles. I don't want to do this. And most people don't change unless they have to. Mm -hmm. And this is the plight, I think. Mm -hmm. This is the issue. And this is where we, we are. Either we're going to change because we have to. And there's going to be a lot of suffering. Mm -hmm. More than there needs to be, potentially. There still is. I mean, there's continuous suffering. It's planned, right? But is there a way to change without massive suffering? Is there a way for us to come together and to do this because we want to. I don't know if we can. And I see myself, I see little things every day that I become more aware of my actions that I do. That I think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Oh, well, I'll accept that. I'll forgive myself. Right? But I think it's about becoming aware. And I think things like, say, Burning Man, going to Burning Man, even though it's a very excessive, like it's the ultra froth of the, of the end of the rainbow of 
of this, you know, freedom ride. But what does it do? It does bring around a consciousness of, of stuff. You know, there's no trash bins there. There's no, I mean, you... Okay, bring out your trash and you see how much trash you created yes, during yes. that week you were there. My God. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we bring our consumerism? How do we change our, I mean, I, I, I'm not radical in the sense that I don't, I only use this or I only eat that. I am an intuitive opportunity for <laughs> I'm alive on this planet here and now. And I am, but I, I am becoming more awake every day. And I am, I try to be as responsible as possible for the environment that I find myself in. And that's the most that I can do. Yeah, that's a really, really good point to make. So we're coming to the end of our interview. I'd like to leave you with our last two questions. So I'm curious to know, since you have lots of fans on your Facebook page, you probably get a lot of messages. So do you ever get your messages from fans that say, hey, I really resonated with your art. In fact, I've seen what you painted before and I've been there. Yep. <laughs> it happens quite often actually uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. okay yeah so do you think it's possible to visit some of these same like do you think these places exist yep I sure and do. many people can go visit those same places yep like, uh, a shared journey yep and i feel that the paintings help evoke that memory mm-hmm. and that that's one of my desires is to is to influence and help people help people see again mm-hmm. into a deeper into a deeper realm mm-hmm. yeah. okay and my last favorite question to ask visionaries like you Amanda what was the most far out visionary experience you've had yeah that's a tough one <laughs> too many but, to choose know, from <laughs> the first one that comes to mind you know it's uh, you know it's like picking out of a handful of cards I uh, was painting this I was working on this painting where I was uh this painting called the Anasuramai. It's the act of lifting the skirt. Mm. And it's this life-size self-portrait of me lifting my skirt in a war cry uh-huh. of defiance. Uh-huh. And I'm laying an egg uh-huh. on the old paradigm, uh-huh. so to say. Uh-huh. And it's the part of, like, this egg symbolizes the new, the new consciousness or the open, infinite source mm-hmm. of awareness. And it's the moment of where this energy is connecting with the old energy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And it was like five o'clock in the morning. I'm in my studio, dead silence. And all of a sudden I started hearing voices and it wasn't like voices. I don't normally hear voices, but it was something, it was like the transparency of the world and the vibrations started to open. And I realized that I had, I was in a room full of masters and they were all with me supporting every little stroke that I made. And I realized that the connection between these worlds was a moment of silence and it was totally peaceful and it was all going to be okay. Wow. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Amanda. How can we best stay in touch with you? My website, amandasage.com, and also through social media, Amanda Sage Art. Find me. Fantastic.
Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to leave you with a lovely song called Namaste from Eostar and Web of One from their album Illuminate. We have the lyrics to the song at entheonation.com slash 32 if you want to sing along and learn this song. You can also find the link to their Bandcamp page if you'd like to purchase the song in our show notes as well as Eostar's You Caring page if you feel inspired to support her in her journey of healing from cancer. Now, if you have some medicine music for the soul that you'd like to share with the Entheonation tribe, you can submit it to be featured in the Entheonation podcast. We are looking for professionally recorded medicine-inspired music or down-tempo electronica that you can trip to. Please send a link to your Bandcamp song to Lorna at entheonation.com, and if I decide to feature it, please be able to send me a download link so that I can get a high-quality recording of the song. Wishing you well from beautiful Ibiza, and I will talk to you soon.
Spirit in me sees the spirit in me.